0: This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello
1: and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for Pan-African News and world developments. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight...
2: The victory comes following years of political instability. Not one premier has managed to hold a full five-year term in office in over a decade.
1: That's reporter Linda Giftash on a seven-month-old political party apparently becoming the biggest winner in Lesotho's parliamentary elections. Details coming up also. The head of Chad's military government says a government of national union will be created within days. The trial of a former Liberian commander accused of crimes against humanity begins and at least 76 people died in a boat that capsized in Nigeria. Heavy flooding. We have these stories and more ahead on African News Tonight. We start with our top story: the trial of a former Liberian commander accused of crimes against humanity begins in France today. The accused, referred to as Kunti K is alleged to have taken part in torture and other crimes in Liberia's first civil war between 1989 and 1996. To brief us on the matter, we have live online standing by the host of Daybreak Africa, James Butti. Welcome to African News tonight, James.
3: Thank you so much for inviting me.
1: So, to start uh, to start out James Who is this accused former battlefield commander from Liberia who goes by the name of Kunti K?
3: Thank you so much again. Kunti K, the K stands for Kamara. Kunti Kamara is a former commander for the United Liberation Movement of Liberia, also known as ULIMO. It was one of the several rebel groups that uh, took part in the first civil war in Liberia, which lasted between 1989 to 1996. And as we know, many of these uh, rebel groups were known to have committed alleged war crimes and crimes against humanity.
1: So James, uh, enumerate the crimes he's accused of committing.
3: As I was saying again, the civil war was characterized by alleged atrocities. Now, Mr. Uh, Mr. Kunti Kamara, as alleged by a group called Civitas Maxima, is accused of crimes against to- uh, crimes of torture, cannibalism, and other crimes against humanity, including sexual abuse and violence.
1: And. Uh the person, the accused person, uh, wh- wh- how are the people of Liberia reacting to to today 's trial in France regarding these accusations?
3: first of all, this trial is coming at a time that uh, there has been demand the demands are growing in Liberia. Many groups are demanding the establishment of a war crimes court. This was the recommendation made by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Liberia. Um, to kind of bring closure to those who were impacted by the civil war. Um, According to local media in Liberia, Kuti's alleged victims are happy about his trial. Many named him as responsible for the murders in 1993, uh, in which they said that six people, men, were killed in Lofa County.
1: so um uh anything uh, what what could be the the punishment for this kind of crime
3: uh, if he is ever found guilty the what i what the people are saying is that they don't want justice, and I was talking to a human rights uh campaigner just recently on my program Is not justice is the key word. And I said, well, people don't. People are arguing. Some Liberians are arguing that um, if you insist on punishing people for what they for what happened, then um, you know you are destabilizing the country. But people say there cannot be stability without justice. justice. All they want is justice first. So
1: they break Africa's yes. host James party. Thank you for your input.
3: Thank you so much.
1: The head of Chad's military government says a government of national union will be created within days to lead the country towards election. The announcement by Muhammad idris Deby follows a forum that ended Saturday which appointed him as transitional president. VOA's Timothy Mai is standing by live to brief us on the matter. Welcome to Africa News Tonight, Timothy. My pleasure. So, what is the reaction from people regarding the announcement so far?
4: Well, uh, one must say that this is not what the military leaders of Chad promised when uh, they came to power after the death of uh, President Idris Deby Itno. Uh, at that time, they said they would be there just for the transition, and then they would hand power to a civilian government after uh, a national forum. Now, the national forum happened, but uh, General Idris Deby, Mamad Idris D.B. Itno, is allowed to remain at the helm of the country for 24 more months, and then he is eligible in the next uh, presidential election. So uh, this, is, this is not what was promised, so some people in Chad are, are really disappointed.
1: Uh, I'm sure they are. Are the countries, uh, besides the people, are the countries three main rebel groups and much of the political opposition behind uh, Debbie's announcement?
4: One of the main opposition groups, the fact, the front uh, for uh, Concord in um, for ch- the front for Change and Concord in Chad of uh, Mohammad Mahdi Ali is not part of uh, uh, this uh, transition plan. It denounced the transition plan. Uh, also inside Chad, we have the uh, Wakitama coalition, Wakitama, which is in, which means in local Arabic, comes up. Uh, this is a coalition of uh, uh, political parties, uh, trade unions. This coalition is also uh, rejecting this uh, transition plan. There's also the main opposition party now called the Transformers, led by a uh, young politician, uh, Sukse Masra. Uh, his group also uh, opposed this transition plan. So uh, there, there are many charges who uh, oppose this plan.
1: So, are you saying that Debbie uh, expects uh, to run for president?
4: Uh, it, it is clear. It is clear because for uh, a long time he, he refrained from uh, stating his uh, intentions concerning the, the next election, uh, presidential elections, uh, which could only mean one thing that he, he plans to run. And now he is legally allowed to do so. So, uh, nothing prevents him from running, and uh, n- no one uh, would expect him not to run.
1: Head of the French to Africa service, Timothy Donangmai, thank you for your input.
4: You're welcome. The Kingdom
1: of Lesotho, surrounded by South Africa, has elected the newly formed Revolution for Prosperity Party into power. Early results show amid long-standing political instability. Linda Giftash reports from Johannesburg.
2: Lesotho's recently formed Revolution for Prosperity Party was celebrating Monday as it won a comfortable majority in the parliamentary polls, according to early results. The RFP is led by millionaire diamond magnate Sam Medicane, who is believed to be the richest man in the country. The victory comes following years of political instability. Not one premier has managed to hold a full five-year term in office in over a decade. A former British colony, the Mountain Kingdom has had many coups and attempted coups since gaining independence in 1966. The RFP, which was established in March, ousted the previously ruling Al-Basutu Convention that came into power in 2017. The country has a mixed electoral system, with 80 of the 120 total seats allocated by a first-past-the-post system. RFP candidates secured at least 49 of those 80 seats designated to determine the ruling party. The remaining 40 seats are filled in a proportional representation system, determined by a voter's preference for parties rather than candidates. The main opposition party, the Democratic Congress, has maintained its second-place spot. The RFP identifies as a social-liberal party with a mandate to grow the economy by double digits by 2030. That promised to appeal to voters as nearly a third of Lesotho's 2.2 million people live on less than $2 a day. Commonwealth observers said that while voting on Friday was peaceful, there were issues with the voter registry at some polling stations observers recommended a review of the registration process to avoid duplicate names and ensure the inclusion of young voters. Linda giftash for VOA News, Johannesburg.
1: Two. 130 South African students studying in Russia are facing eviction from their accommodations and expulsion from their universities. They say the South African government has failed to pay their rent and tuition, and Russian authorities say they will no longer tolerate this. Darren
5: Taylor reports. South Africa's government has been sending students to study at Russian tertiary institutions since it came to power in 1994. Many senior members of the ruling African National Congress studied in the former Soviet Union during the years of apartheid when access to education for black people was severely limited. But in recent years, students in cities such as Moscow and St. Petersburg have been the casualties of friction between their government's education department and Russian education officials.
6: Our plight started when the department decided that they would terminate their contract with our agents that we have been working with ever since we came into this country to come and further our studies.
5: Victoria Mahesov, a third-year electrical engineering student in the Russian capital, is one of the students facing expulsion and eviction barely a month after the start of the new academic year.
6: I really, really don't know. We are are in a very bad situation right now. I myself don't even know where my future lies. My landlord said on Monday I need to move out. So what's going to happen to me on Monday if my tuition, my accommodation is not paid for? I'm going to be homeless, stuck on the streets, and it's cold in Moscow. Now, Russia is becoming cold.
5: Education department officials told VOA they're in constant contact with affected students and their landlords and schools. But Maheso says this is simply not the truth.
6: We are at that point where even when we try to engage with the government people, when they pick up the phone, it's either they're going to tell us lies or they don't even speak to us at all. As the students themselves that have to go and try and beg with our landlords. We try and beg with our universities so that we don't get expelled, we don't get evicted. And when we try to get the department to actually engage with them, they're refusing. And they're not even talking to us and not being transparent and truthful with us of what exactly it's going
5: My on. says more than 20 students have all Already been expelled and evicted, they are now on a blacklist. She says, with little chance of ever being allowed to study in Russia again. Mahersow says they are also in danger of being declared illegal in Russia because without proof of payment of tuition and accommodation, they cannot get registration documents.
6: This is what you get from your landlord or wherever you are living, and it's also tied with the university. So for you to be in the university, you need to have a valid registration. Now students are unable to get their new registrations because our accommodation has not been paid for. If the cops are to stop me on the streets while I go to try and buy water or bread and they ask for my registration and I don't have it, I'm going to be forced to get out of the country. So our
5: livelihoods have literally been put in danger. The Education Department says it's processing all outstanding payments. Maherso says she's hoping for the best, but experience tells her the funds will arrive too late to save a good proportion of her fellow students. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg.
1: You're listening to Africa News Tonight on The Voice of America. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. In an opening speech to the UNHCR's Executive Committee, UN High Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grandi appealed to member states to provide protection to people fleeing conflict and persecution, regardless of ethnicity and nationality. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva.
7: The UN Refugee Agency, or UNHCR, reports the number of people forcibly displaced by armed conflict, violence, discrimination, persecution, and climate shocks has hit an all-time high of 100 million. High Commissioner Filippo Grandi says the climate emergency increasingly drives displacement, making life harder for those already uprooted. He says the link between climate change and displacement is clear and
0: growing. We see it in the Horn of Africa, for example, where people are forced to flee by a combination of conflict and drought. More than one million have been displaced in Somalia alone since January 2021, around 80% of refugees are from countries that are most affected by the climate emergency.
7: Most African refugees flee for safety to neighboring countries. However, many make the perilous journey to Europe in search of asylum and a better life. Grandi notes that they and refugees fleeing conflict and persecution from other parts of the world, such as Afghanistan and the Middle East, too often are turned back by European countries. He says the reception of these refugees stands in stark contrast to the generous welcome by European countries to some 7 million Ukrainian refugees who fled Russia's invasion of their country. The Ukrainian
0: crisis debunked so many myths that we have heard over the years from some politicians. Europe is full. Public opinion is against taking in more refugees. Relocation is impossible.
7: He says efforts to deny access to territory for those seeking asylum, often through violent pushbacks, must be rejected.
0: I also reject what we have heard some politicians on this continent tell their voters that Ukrainians are real refugees, while others fleeing similar horrors but from different parts of the world are not. There is only one word to to define this attitude, racist.
7: Grandiats' failures on the part of member states to uphold their international protection obligations is deeply worrying and concerning. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva.
1: Some African countries want next month's sites meeting in Panama to list all African elephants under Appendix 1, which is reserved for species on the brink of extinction. A similar proposal failed at the last meeting as Africa has split listings for elephants. From Habrone, Botswana, reporter Mokondisi Dube has the details. Bokina Faso, equatorial
8: Mali and Senegal want elephant range stays in southern Africa, including Botswana, Namibia, South Africa and Zimbabwe, to be barred from exporting elephant products. They want the elephants to be elevated to the highest listing which will prohibit trade in elephant products and hunting of the animals. However, Southern Africa is a growing elephant population. Some of the elephant range states want to be allowed the once-off sale of their ivory stockpiles. Botswana is the largest elephant head in the world. The country's director of wildlife and national parks, Gabelo Sinyacho, says the push to ban elephant trade is based on emotions.
9: So, Of course, Botswana, as uh, the rest of Sadek, is unhappy. With a, a, a lot of the restrictions that uh, CITES has otherwise imposed on on us, and 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 part of the, the frustrations uh, for us and uh, fellow SADC member states is that the the decisions um, are not based on science. So there's, there's a lot of emotion, uh, particularly by uh, people that don't live with these animals, so they don't uh, get to experience the negative effects of of what uh, a high elephant uh, population means for the landscape.
8: Southern African countries have threatened to pull out of CITES if some of their demands are not met.
9: SADC, as um, the, the, the area that supports the highest numbers of elephants, it needs to have a greater voice in, in directing um, how these resources are, are used and, and, and traded. And so we have a SADC member states have commissioned um, some work to help us look through the options um, of, of, of how we could trade uh, within CITES and how we could trade outside of CITES.
8: Conservationist map Ive says it to be ideal if the issue is put to vote at CITES.
0: The guys at CITES use, you know, what should be a democratic system of voting to make decisions on these matters. And uh, if the majority vote against the uh, utilisation, and you will note that I don't use the phrase sustainable utilisation because I think it's an oxymoron. Um, But the utilisation of these animals, then the
8: majority will have their their say. Southern Africa has more than half of the continent's elephant population and is currently conducting a census to determine the animals' numbers and distribution patterns for VOA. This is Ngondisi Dube in Havroni, Botswana.
1: Officials in Cameroon say the number of mental health patients in the country has more than doubled in the past year as the country deals with a separatist crisis in its western regions and Boko Haram clashes in the north. For World Mental Health Day today, Moki Edwin Kinzeka reports from Yaounde, Cameroon. Fonbe
10: Hedwig is the director of the Vine Mental Health Center in Bamenda, Capital of Cameroon's volatile northwest region. He says his center was chosen for World Mental Health Day activities in Bamenda because the number of psychiatric patients at the center increased from less than 20 in 2021 to over a hundred in October, 2022. We are receiving those who have gone through traumas and they are sad, many who complain of sleeplessness, some who cannot be able to control themselves, they are so restless, so agitated, some with severe anger issues. They present emotional and uh, behavioral tendencies which are uncontrollable. Fonbe said many families lack the resources to care for psychiatric patients at home and either abandon the patients at the center or put them on the streets. Rebecca Quarty is the highest government official in charge of mental patients in the northwest region. She says the number of psychiatric patients seeking help in the region has increased from less than 2,500 to over 6,000 within the past year. Some of them come here already abused. So we listen to their story to increase their morale. And in course of looking for solutions, it may require that we go for home visit. We help them at the level of the police and we work with those that go to the hospital when it comes to trauma management. We make sure that they enjoy the same human rights like other people. Overall, Cameroon says the number of mental patients in the Central African state has more than doubled from about 10,000 to 23,000 in the past 12 months. The government says with the separatist crisis in Western regions and Boko Haram terrorism on the northern border decreasing, humanitarian workers are better able to find and assist patients abandoned in villages where fighting was intensive. Lo Mengeme is the Director of Mental Health at Cameroon's Ministry of Health. She says many people lost family members in the conflict or experienced acts of abuse, violence and trauma triggering mental health crises. She urges civilians to seek medical help instead of taking psychiatric patients to traditional healers or pastors who claim they have miracle solutions to mental health
6: problems. She
10: says a majority of the mental patients government workers are assisting to recover their health are nervous, aggressive, irritated and violent. She simply says doctors and therapists should exercise more patience with psychiatric patients when the patients become violent. She says the country counts very much on doctors and therapists to reduce the growing number of mental patients. The World Health Organization reports that growing social and economic inequalities, protracted conflicts, violence, and public health emergencies continue to take a toll on mental health in Cameroon and worldwide. The UN says a staggering 84 million people worldwide were forcibly displaced in 2021, leading to an increase in the number of people in need of mental health care. The 2022 World Mental Health Day team is make mental health and Wellbeing for all a global priority. Moki Edwin Kinzaka. For V.O.A. News,
1: Yaoundé, Cameroon. And that wraps up this edition of Africa News Tonight. I'm Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Baro and our engineer, John Dryden, thanks for choosing the Voice of America.